0: Welcome to the Abbey Talks podcast series with myself, Lisa Farley, coordinator of the talks here at the Abbey. Over the course of the run of Frank McGuinness's Observe the Sons of Ulster marching towards the Somme, I've been asking members of the cast about their approach to research, their approach to these young characters steeped in a hundred-year-old context, and if their preparation was framed, formed and fed by a piece of prose, a piece of art or by pure instinct and osmosis. What follows is a series of short interviews that gives insight, heart and a vocabulary when all words fail. Enjoy these podcasts. Hi, uh, Marcus Lamb here. Um, Yeah, Christopher Ralston is my character uh, from County Tyrone. He is a lapsed preacher, I suppose you could say, of the Presbyterian um, sect, if you want to use that word from back then. Um, And yeah, his journey is a complex one. Um, internally, it's a very psychological journey. Uh, we, we did a lot of research in terms of history, in terms of what happened to, to the 36th Ulster Division, and in terms of the kind of training they would have gone through. We went to the um, War Memorial Museum in London. Um, we had a drill sergeant come in and give us actual uh, physical training, and we were paired off into our pairings, uh, the ones that we adhere to in the play. Um, and we also had an expert on the North come into us and talk to us about um, how things have developed in the North between Loyalists and Catholics and how Unionists and so on are, are perceived and how they feel uh, about nineteen uh, the 1st of July 1916 and also about the war in general, and their connection to the war, and how things have developed since then for for unionists, um, as much as an expert can, uh, based on his thesis, uh, go into that. So that was kind of very elucidating for me, a Catholic, an Irish speaker from um, from Dublin, uh, I went to an Irish speaking school, and the pictures of Patrick Pierce up on the wall, who uh, who I had played recently in a, in, a, in a series on t- television. So that was the complete flip side in terms of uh, ideology to be playing a, a unionist or a loyalist from the north. But but I mention all this because I think the about ralston is that for me the research led away from anything um historical um to to the text and to the clues in the text and to uh religion um he begins the play uh in the barracks like the rest of the guys and he's joining um to fight for king and country the king being god's representative on earth because he is no longer uh, one of God's children, in a sense, he is no longer a preacher, as he explains in a monologue later on in the play. Uh, when they're on leave, he um, he he felt that uh, his own father uh, on Earth and also his father in heaven um, uh, d- d- um, had lost faith in him. It's an interesting poetic twist of of Frank McGuinness's to to put it that way, but but. It's not that he himself has lost faith. It's he still believes um, deeply. He almost believes too much, as he says, "I believe too much." It's that he doesn't believe in himself enough to believe that he can be a preacher anymore. He looks at his um, peers, his, his uh, four generations of uh, there's been four generations of preachers in his family. and he himself uh, wants to, to um, be as, as uh, connected to that. Uh, to have a strong connection with God and to be God's vessel a uh, vessel for the word of God on earth which he can then pass on to uh, people in the in the kirk, to the parishioners in the kirk which is the, the parish hall that Presbyterian preachers would have preached in so as he, he explains when he's on leave he no longer has that connection so that's why he joined uh, the army so that he could represent uh, God on earth through his um, through his uh, through fighting for 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 the the Brit- the british side and what is very interesting psychologically is that i looked into um that sort the, the mentality that led Rolston to believe that the reason the eight guys are still alive having gone to war um he is uh, what i discovered was a thing called schizotypal personality disorder this is what i kind of this was what helped helped me in the audition, and what then helped me l- later on, and there's a guy called I have his name written down here um, on the podcast, Bo Bergdahl. He's the first American soldier to be kidnapped in uh, Afghanistan, and he's in serial. T- he's in a uh, serial, is the name of it, and it's a uh, podcast season two. And uh, this guy was kidnapped, and he he had a couple of traits. Um, according to the people who who um, who uh, came up with this podcast, uh, which belong to schizotypal personality disorder, one of them is magical thinking, um, which is the belief that you control things outside of yourself through deep deep thinking. In other words, in in in, um, in the case of Christopher Ralston, prayer and and deep reflection on on the word of God. Um, another is putting yourself in situations uh, that are ex- that are extreme so you have to prove yourself you have to prove your worth on earth so war would be one of those situations um, and uh, Christopher Olsen believes that that he is the reason that these these eight guys are still alive after um, having having fought for we've, we've worked out roughly nine months before they went on leave the 36th Ulster division so that that kind of psychological um, study of Ralston um, led me to find a, a, a book called uh, The Varieties of Religious Experience by William James, the American sociologist, psychologist and philosopher and it was written around the early 1900s and uh, in it he looks at uh, as, as the book suggests, different types of religious experience, one of which the more tortured soul um, and Ralston is a very tortured character um, and he talks about Martin Luther um, which I thought was an interesting crossover with with Ralston because Martin Luther began Protestantism in the late fifteen hundreds in Germany. Uh, he um, he he his pro the word Protestantism coming from to protest. He protested against the sale of indulgences in the Catholic Church that people could go to heaven if they gave money, and uh, that led then to Calvinism, which came through Holland, I believe, and then led to Presbyterianism, which uh, is a version that has no bishops. So you had uh, church elders who would, who would uh, in the community uh, guide almost like a rabbi and they would then um, uh, preach in the Kirk which was their version of a kind of a community hall or meeting house um, and Presbyterianism, Presbyterianism in Scotland then like a lot of things went across to Northern Ireland and that's where Christopher Olsen's from so that's where his... so he, there's a direct line really from Luther to him but in the book by William James uh, Luther um, uh, he he talks about Luther's um uh, inability to to feel any sort of peace in his own soul when Luther was a monk um Luther himself uh, never felt one day a peace in his life apparently um and there's something in in that 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 in that suffering one one sort of finds a purity um uh, there's a there's a sort of a, Part of the Presbyterian tradition and also in, in Nordic countries, um, the Lastadians and so on, part of their tradition in, in preaching is to, while they're actually preaching and giving a sermon, that, that, that they're humble and that they show their own struggle and their own doubt at the same time because to be fully convinced of their own um, convictions and of what they're saying um, shows an arrogance in the face of God. And then another source uh, to go on was uh, just in terms of the horror of being at war itself is uh, Dulce et Decorum Est Pro Patria More or Dulce et Decorum Est. It's actually pronounced Dulce, I've found out, not Dulce as a lot of people say. Um, the Italian sea is not used um, by Wilfred Owen, which is uh, an incredible poem. It's very famous and uh, for, for, with good cause, you know, it's amazing. Dulce et decorum est Bent double, like old beggars under sacks Knock-kneed, coughing like hags We cursed through sludge Till on the haunting flares we turned our backs And towards our distant rest Began to trudge Men marched asleep Many had lost their boots But limped on, bloodshod All went lame, all blind, drunk with fatigue deaf even to the hoots of tired outstripped five nines that dropped behind. Gas! Gas! Quick boys! An ecstasy of fumbling, fitting the clumsy helmets just in time, but someone still was yelling out and stumbling and floundering like a man in fire or lime. Dim through the misty panes and thick green light as under a green sea, I saw him drowning. In all my dreams Before my helpless sight he plunges at me, guttering, choking, drowning. If in some smothering dreams you too could pace behind the wagon that we flung him in, and watch the white eyes writhing in his face, his hanging face like a devil sick of sin, if you could hear at every jolt the blood come gargling from the froth-corrupted lungs, obscene as cancer, bitter as the cud of vile incurable sores on innocent tongues my friend you would not tell with such high zest to children ardent for some desperate glory the old lie. Dulce et decorum est pro patria more." In the the pairing section there's a pause and I asked Frank McGuinness in the audition um, what, what the pause means, why it's there and he said that it's there because he wants uh, he wants Crawford to he, he, he unconsciously knew Ralston unconsciously knew that Crawford being so grounded and so down to earth, being into sport, being a young guy, an uncomplicated guy with with no edges, as they say. Um, knowing that he was that kind of person, he would be the kind of person that would pull Ralston out of the out of the, the, the sort of um, the, the, the spiritual crisis that he's in. Um, and and that sort of the fo- the fogginess of, of his of his beliefs um and that's exactly what what Crawford does he he makes him a man again so so that at the end of the play um uh, Rolston says um, that day in the church it was shown to me you showed me uh i'm no better or no worse none of us are so so it doesn't I mean the levelling of war is I think what McGuinness is uh, Frank McGuinness is getting at that there's no difference between anyone whereas the Presbyterian ideology is that you're of the elect that uh, and going back to Calvin that some people are are born uh, um, chosen that they will that they will go to heaven and others won't whereas and that would have been what, what Ralston believed until until this this horrendous and tragic and horrific thing uh, and and traumatic event took place. Uh, being being at war, actually, uh, leveled all of that in in his own perception of himself and his perception of humanity, and made him part of humanity and brought him down to earth. So there's a kind of a beauty to, to the horror that he's seen around him, and a beauty to the relationship between himself and Crawford. Um, they they completely and utterly rely on each other in pairings. Um and and there's a sense that if, if if one of them doesn't go back then the other won't be able to go back either you know uh, from from leave to, to go back to the war to the front i think fear is the key emotion for for christopher Ralston. um we were lucky enough to have frank in the room for the first week over rehearsal and a lot of that was was sitting around talking about the script because it's very deep and uh, layered and uh, um, he said that the Ralston is suicidal. Um, coming into the first, as is Piper. They're polar opposites in terms of their one. One is completely uh, my, my character Ralston completely uh, legitimizes doctrine and and uh, sticks to uh, the, the rule book all the time. Whereas whereas Piper is complete um, anarchist. So they're completely different poles. And and Piper used to bully Ralston in in um, uh, when they were in boarding school. Um, and yet, the thing that unites them is they're both on a suicide mission, in a sense. Um, um, Piper wants to do, go to war to die or to annihilate some part of himself, and uh, Christopher Ralston is is trying to, to to tear out a new side of himself, also, and and annihilate the past because it's been a, a tragic one for him. Uh, he's failed as a preacher, um, so I think there's a, a deep, deep, deep fear within within them and the fear changes because of war I think Uh, weirdly Ralston's fear speaking about my character I think changes in the sense that he it moves from a spiritual fear to a to a more to a more more human fear I think in a sense he could be played as being less fearful than than most if not all of the characters by the end of the play um because he still believes but he's accepted who he is so he might he might not fear seeing god in the afterlife um so there might be i'm just thinking out loud as i as i speak there might be a, a sort of a there is a sense that he's a changed man and that he's 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 come to He's he's at peace with himself to a degree, so the the fear has abated. Um, but he's he's extremely fearful before he even enters the play, um, and he, he's failed uh, in who in who he tried to be. <laughs>